Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer, or policymaker, Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Welcome to our last summer skill session of the summer of 2022. I hope that you've had your fair amount of vitamin D that you took some time off the summer to relax, and of course, that you found some of these little episodes from our summer skills session helpful. If you found them valuable and you learned something, please let me know, because I really enjoy doing these short episodes and mini-series. So if they're useful, I will consider producing another mini-series maybe in the next year. As summer is coming to an end, I assume that you've had your fair share of ice cream and popsicles, of ice cold drinks, and that this sunscreen bottle is finally coming to an end. But we have fall and winter ahead of us, and I don't know about you, but after summer, I'm usually super recharged to tackle the rest of the year with a lot of enthusiasm and really, really big plans, which is why today's episode might be super relevant and hopefully just what you need to get you back into the swing of things. Today, we will be talking about productivity. Confession, I may not be the best person to talk about it. <laughs> because yes, I do think I'm very productive, but I have not quite figured out yet how to be productive without working myself into the ground. Secondly, I gotta admit, I have a good sense for what makes me productive and how to be productive. But I may not always be the best one to implement everything that I advise on. So just know ahead of time that I love giving advice, but for full disclosure, I'm not always the best at taking my own advice. And with that, let's jump right into our last summer skills session and talk about productivity. Just today, I started my workday at 8. I met up with three partners to talk about how they are supporting minority entrepreneurs in their communities. I picked up some marketing collateral after our rebrand. I did a lot of emails. I sent follow-up meeting notes and I missed my exit on the way back for my next meeting. So um, not only did I work through lunch, but I certainly did not get everything on my to-do list done. And I have a feeling I'm going to take all of these to-dos with me through the end of the week and try to get as many of them done by Friday. And you know what? I never know whether I'm just too ambitious and my to-do list is simply too long for one person or whether I'm simply too slow and I should be getting more done. Because when you think about it, an eight or nine hour workday sounds like there's a lot of time to get things done. And then I'm always surprised that a lot of the really meaningful work actually takes me a lot longer and takes me longer to recharge. For example, if I meet with a partner, having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with one or two people for an hour takes a lot of energy. And then sending a meaningful, thoughtful, action-oriented follow-up email is just as much work. So while three meetings in a day may not sound like a lot, I know in my head that even though I'm an extrovert, it takes a lot of energy for me to have three meaningful meetings that are delivered with an action plan on what we're going to do next and how we're going to support minority entrepreneurs going forward hand-in-hand. 
as so often, the timing of this episode is really excellent because I actually need to think about how I want to be productive going forward, how I want to manage my workload, and what this can look like in the coming months and years. I'll be honest, August was exhausting. We rolled out our new website because we have a new brand. We went on listening tours through the Shenandoah Valley. And all of this just on top of the day-to-day -day of building an ecosystem and running the marketing department. And after four weeks of mayhem and working like a madwoman, I spent my week in a bed because I was sick and my body had had enough of working. You might wonder, Annika, you just finished a season on the topic of burnout and how we prevent it. And like I told you in the beginning, I am not always good at taking my own advice. So I am determined as we're starting to begin the fall season and this next quarter to be a lot more intentional about how I use my time and where I want to be productive. So in brief, I need this episode just as much as you. I want to figure out how to manage leading two departments at the Shenandoah Community Capital Fund, how to be a present parent and spouse, which I think I've done a really terrible job at since we moved here, and how to host a show all without burning out. I know the key here is to be productive, but without overwhelming ourselves. I know that productivity is not my to-do list, but to be honest, it's a truth that my mind refuses to accept. All that is to say, I am work in progress just like so, 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 so many of us. So here's what works for me. Structure and focused time. I love to structure my year, my quarter, my week, and my day, and I'm going to walk you through that process and share some of the things that really work for me. As we are looking towards 2023, and if you're listening to this in September or October, you're still a comfortable three or four months out, so don't let that scare you. 2023 is not quite around the corner, but it's just far enough that we can start thinking about the year as a unit for planning. As I look at those four quarters in a year, I plop down my annual leave, I put in important events such as weddings, and once I have that personal stuff in there, I put in some of the big projects for 2023. For example, if I want to see my family, I have to fly to Germany. There are weddings taking place next year, we spend Christmas abroad every other year, and soon I will have to consider the school schedules of my daughter. As I look towards 2023, I am also sketching out my podcast seasons to see what timing might work for me. And then, of course, I have all of the big work projects at the Shenandoah Community Capital Fund. Little piece of advice here. As you look at the big picture, always put in your personal stuff first. I hope by now that taking care of yourself and being a good family person, a good friend and daughter and spouse and neighbor and community member is important to you. And that means you got to put those non-negotiables in first. Once those are in place and you have your vacation planned, then start plopping the work around it. Look at that big picture and make sure that in every quarter you have some time to recharge. And from this big picture, we can then zoom in into the quarter. The quarter is really 90 days, and it might just be my favorite unit for planning meetings, milestone check-ins, and tracking my progress. 90 days is also how long I spend on a podcast season. It is the time frame that I use to report on one of my programs at SCCF, and it is a more granular level than the big overview of a year where you can get a lot more detailed about what you want that quarter to look like. I also recommend as you look at the first quarter, the second, the third, and the fourth, look at what public holidays are there. What school schedule do you have to keep in mind? What events are taking place? Is anyone getting married? Are there any times in the summer that you want to take off? Are there any festivals that may take you out of the office? 
plop those down and make sure that every quarter has time for work and for play. Once you have those big buckets of a quarter planned out, it is very easy to break those down into 30, 60, 90 plans. I find those to be really, really manageable chunks and see what you can do in the next 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days. And that allows you just enough time to buffer and to plan things out with a lot of strategic forethought. Once I have a good sense for what is happening in each quarter, I can actually dial it down and look at my week. The key for me here is to cluster like with like. It allows me to be a lot more productive without switching back and forth between wildly different tasks. I used this strategy while I was self-employed and I'm using it now that I'm employed. For example, Mondays I spend on planning and having a lot of meetings because I need to get a lay of the land to see what everybody needs from me this week and how I want to be spending this week to make a difference in my community. Speaking of which, on Tuesdays I am typically out in the community. I visit partners, I spend time with some of our ecosystem accomplices. I meet entrepreneurs. I'm basically driving across the Shenandoah Valley. So if you're ever in the valley on a Tuesday, watch out on Interstate 81 for the ecosystem mobile. That is probably me racing from one meeting to the next to find out what is happening in our ecosystem. Wednesdays are a good mix of getting actual work done, catching up on my emails, and meeting with the leadership team of SCCF. This is where we get together once a week to talk about what each department is working on and what is happening in our respective efforts. Thursdays and Fridays are the days where I tend to have fewer meetings and get the actual work done. So everything I met about with people in the first half of the week... I get to work on in the second half of the week. Those are a little bit more flexible, and I have to admit that that actually works really well for me because Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are so structured in such a fixed schedule that I benefit from having Thursdays and Fridays with a little bit more fluidity so that I can do things when I have the energy and cluster things so that they make sense. As I look at my week on Sundays or sometimes on Mondays, I scan the week for evening commitments. Is my fridge stocked? Do we have any social commitments? Really getting a sense for what is happening in the week that lays ahead of me, not just in work, but also in private life and, you know, just as part of my community. Sundays, for example, I use the morning and afternoon to plan my meals, to go food shopping and do some meal prep. I also do really exciting things such as my laundry and cleaning up the house and getting ready for the week, whatever that means. And I will admit, Sunday nights sometimes stress me out, but at least having a plan in place on how I want to tackle this week ahead of me makes me sleep a little bit better. We've talked about how I plan out my year, the quarter, and the week. And now I'll give you a little bit more insight into what a productive day looks like for me. First things first, I do my best work in the morning. Um, this is super different. I have friends who do their best work after 8 p.m. at night and they stay up super late and work and get really good stuff done. That is not me. In my ideal day, I work out first thing in the morning and then I start my day with my family. I'm out the door by 8 and at my desk between 8.15 and 8.30. I try to do the deep focus work in the mornings, be it content writing, be it developing strategies, be it some kind of program, reporting, anything that requires focused attention for more than 30 minutes is what I do in the mornings. Fun fact, and it's a little bit sad to admit, I have to schedule a lunch break. I rarely take my full lunch break, but if it's not on the schedule, I guarantee you I will work right through it. So it has to go on my calendar. Uh, most afternoons I use for emails and meetings and reporting all the things that, of course, they require focus, but they don't need the best of the best of me. 
if you remember the conversation I had with Isaac Jeffries in season three, he too takes his biggest issue, his biggest problem, the biggest nut he's trying to crack to a coffee shop first thing in the morning before he actually goes to work and then starts doing everything else. Because like me, he has his best energy in the mornings. If this is not you, totally cool. I know people who prefer doing meetings in the morning so they have them out of the way and then they can spend the afternoon focusing on what they really need to do. That's not me. You just got to figure out what works for you. And I encourage you to just experiment with that. Schedule your day accordingly to where the energy is. Are you an early bird? Are you someone who works late at night? Are you someone who needs a break in the middle of the day to go work out? More power to you. That is so not me. But if it works for you, you got to do what works for you. All that is to say, by 3 p.m., I'm pretty much dead. <laughs> I um, I will grab an afternoon coffee, and if I'm lucky, I get a second win so I can do some more work. But I'll be honest, you are never going to get my best work after 3 p.m. on a weekday because I do my best work between 8 and probably noon. And right around 4.30 or 5, I pick up my daughter, I head home, and I have family time, which also means I don't work at nights anymore which is really tempting to get a little bit more done, but I've noticed that it really messes with my sleep. It's not great for my family life, and it just really stresses me out. So when I close my computer at 5 p.m., I really am done for the day. Here's one more piece of advice, depending on where your energy goes, but I've heard this advice over and over, and it really works for me. Don't start your day with emails. If you are someone who has great energy in the morning and you pour all of that really great energy just into emails, even though emails are work, you're not going to have much left in the tank to do the deep focus work that is required to move big projects forward. These emails are still going to be there when you check them at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. or even after lunch. So just give that some thought and see if maybe it makes you a little bit more productive to not tackle your emails first thing in the morning. So now that we've talked about the annual, the quarterly, weekly, and daily level, I have a few more pieces of advice that I want to leave you with. Number one, schedule breaks. This is really important, whether it's scheduling a lunch break or putting a little reminder in your calendar of 15 minutes to just step away from your screen, go for a little walk, do a little short yoga pose or a short meditation, whatever it is, schedule it. But it also refers to the bigger breaks. Take time off. If you're looking at your year and at the quarters within and there were two quarters without any breaks in them, you will not do your best work. This is a constant debate in my house. My husband is American and he believes the more the better. The more we work, the more we get done. I, on the other hand, am being a proud European, know that Europeans typically take six weeks off every year, which my husband cannot get over. And fair enough. But you also know that a country like Germany, my home country, is one of the most productive countries, even though we have a generous maternity leave and we take our six weeks leave every year. You know why? Because taking a leave means that when we come back, we come back recharged and refreshed and we're not as close to burning out as many other countries who just work around the clock. In other words, taking those breaks is not selfish. Taking those breaks means you know when your tank is empty and you're giving yourself enough time to recharge and actually come back with enthusiasm and energy and joy for the work that you're doing. So take your breaks in the small as well as in the big picture. The other thing that really works for me is 
Group like with like. Cluster your tasks. If you know that you will be doing a lot of emails, set your timer for two hours and do as many emails as you can, but then stop doing emails and switch to something else. If you know you have a lot of meetings, maybe it makes sense to have all of your meetings on two days a week and reserve the other three days per week for other types of work. Another thing that has really worked for me is to actually put my phone away for this high-focused work. Here's the deal. Research has shown that even just having your phone on your desk can be distracting. So I will either put my phone on airplane mode for about 45 minutes and then turn it back on so that I can really focus or ideally just leave it in a different room so I'm not even tempted and I don't get distracted by this notification and that vibration. Also, here's a little hack. I bought myself a really old-fashioned alarm clock. You know, one of those that you plug in and it makes your room really bright? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. It has allowed me to just leave my phone on a different floor overnight. So I'm not even tempted to look at my phone before I go to bed. So typically, I put my phone away around 7 p.m. at night, and then I don't look at it until I get up the next morning and I actually go into the kitchen. Not having your phone by your bedside is actually pretty freeing. So give that a shot. Here's another thing that I learned, the importance of rituals. It can be really powerful, especially if you're working from home or you don't have that strict distinction to have some kind of ritual to really start your workday. Maybe it is making that cup of coffee. Maybe it is having a dedicated workspace. Maybe you light a candle for yourself or you put that long messy hair up in a bun and know it's business time. There are very different ideas on what kind of ritual you can have to actually get into the zone. I learned this from Rachel Cook, who's working with a lot of women entrepreneurs to shift from solopreneur to CEO. She used to run something called the Fired Up and Focus Challenge that really, really helped me become a lot clearer on how I want to be running my business. And I'm using a lot of those lessons still in my day-to-day -day now, now that I'm employed. So I'm going to put a link to Rachel Cook into the show notes and you can see for yourself. My next piece of advice is to know when you do your best work. Are you an early bird? Are you a night owl? Are you somewhere in between? When do you have energy and when can you feel yourself slacking off? I recommend that you schedule your week or your day accordingly. Do the deep focus work when you have the most energy and put a lot of those what I like to call monkey tasks into the times when you know you're really low and you won't be creative and coming up with the next great idea. If you ever feel overwhelmed, and it does happen to me quite a lot, Set a timer for 30 minutes, put your phone on airplane mode, and just work on that problem for 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, you put that stuff away, you take a five-minute break away from your screen, and then you come back for another 30 minutes and either work on that same problem some more because you were getting somewhere, or you simply pick a different task and keep working on it. Here's the deal. Sometimes if you're really overwhelmed, the stress and the emotion of feeling overwhelmed actually stops you from getting anything done. If that is the case, step away for a little bit, come back, set a timer, and just get as much as you can done in 30 minutes, only to move forward. That may not be your best work. That may not solve the problem, but you need to get over that paralysis of not doing anything because you're so freaking overwhelmed. Set that timer, do something, and move on with your day. My second to last piece of advice is to put in place processes and systems for tasks that you do repeatedly. Are there certain emails that you find yourself sending over and over again? Great. Create a template. 
there's nothing wrong with copy and paste and updating the information to suit the person that you're sending it to. One of my biggest nightmares used to be scheduling time to get together with people. Now I have two scheduling links where people can grab time according to my calendar, and I make sure that that calendar is only available on the days in which I do meetings. So there's no more constant back and forth about, can you meet this day? Can you meet that day? Yes, I can, but only for 15 minutes. People can just book themselves into my calendar. Use those sparingly and make sure that not your entire calendar is available for meetings. Put those availabilities in the days or the time slots that you are available for meetings and don't worry about it. Once you start thinking about it, there are probably a couple of things that you can automize so that you don't have to spend too much time trying to organize logistics and doing any admin. My last piece of advice is you are not your to-do list. I'm probably a walking, living, breathing example of the fact that to-do lists and checking them off is a very gratifying thing. But I will also be the first person to tell you that even on days when I do get my to-do list done, if I didn't do meaningful work and if I rushed through it and I forgot to eat and I didn't allow myself to go to the bathroom for four hours, they still don't make me happy. So really think about what are some of the ways in which you're moving your community forward that aren't necessarily check-offable on your to-do list that are still making a difference. As I shared with you in the beginning, I am not very good at this. So I would love to hear from you. What is working for you? How do you stay productive? What are some of the hacks from this episode that make sense for you? And what are some that I've never heard about that I should absolutely try out? I'm not even kidding. I would be so grateful for your advice. Leave me a voice message, send me an email, reply to my newsletter, and just tell me what's working for you so that we can all learn from your experience. Before we close out today, of course, I want to leave you with a couple of my favorite resources on the topic of productivity. Again, this is not an exhaustive list because, man, if you are Googling books for productivity, you will find yourself on page 27 of the Google search and still find new resources. So here are a handful that work for me. I already mentioned Rachel Cook, who runs the Fired Up and Focus Challenge. She has a podcast that has been evolving a lot, but you will find some really great content and productivity and on how to manage your workload as a solopreneur. I kind of enjoyed the 5am club by Robin Sharma. I will admit that that one is one of the few books that I enjoyed as an audiobook and I found it a lot more digestible. And of course, after I listened to the audiobook, I bought the real book and then I looked at all of the worksheets. I don't know, my brain just really likes that kind of thing. But I will say up front, this is not for everybody. It's kind of intense. And the program that he suggests is definitely one that I aspire to adhere to, but it's just not realistic in my life. And so I've given up on it. But just because I didn't implement it 100%, I learned a lot of really good stuff about when you're productive and how you recharge and how you get some of your best work done. So if you're curious, get the audiobook and see for yourself. A few years ago, I started bullet journaling. Again, I'm not doing it 100%, but I can tell you how much time it saves me to just know where my notes are and how I'm organizing my thoughts. So if you're someone who handwrites, this may be right up your alley. And then, of course, Atomic Habits is a really good book for anyone who wants to bring some more healthy habits for more productivity into their lives. A super easy read and good for implementation if this is your jam. Last but not least, I do want to mention the upcoming book by Tara McMullen, What Works? A Comprehensive Framework to Goal Setting. It's not available now, but it comes out in November, which is just around the corner. 
I have obviously haven't read it because it's available for pre-order, but I have followed Tara's work for a long time and I'm going to read that book once it's out so I can see how this goal setting can translate into more productivity. If any of you are ordering it, let me know. Maybe we can have a book club. All right, friends, I will make sure that all of these resources are in the show notes for you. I hope you enjoyed this first summer skill sessions. I had a lot of fun experimenting with this format. If you've put any of those skills and tactics into practice, please let me know how it went. I'd love to hear your war stories, whether they're good or bad or funny, ideally all. It's not about having a great experience. It's just to allow us to learn from your experience. So simply drop me a line, leave me a voice message, and I would love to share your experiences with the audience in my next logbook, which is coming up very soon. I will see you back here on the show after my next logbook for season four, in which we will be talking about social capital. Until then, thanks for everything you do. Annika. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, the Monakan, Shamandasetula, and Manahok people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.